0: episode of Juicing the Numbers, Your Statistics, and Sports Podcast, I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracing.
1: And I am the other. Oh, no.
0: I always wait until, I, right after we start to adjust my chair, right? Oh, God, I am constantly woefully prepared, and that's just who we are in life, I guess. Um, anyway, welcome to the Thursday edition. Oh, fuck. I just remembered. We had to finish going through the AL side. Um... Midseason standings. That's another thing we have to do. As Corin and I went through <laughs> our notes for what we're supposed to talk about for this episode, and somehow missed the fact we only did half the fucking standings last week. Oh boy, it is Wednesday. That is that is for sure. Although you're listening to this on Thursday, so that might have been confusing. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, before we get into the AL standings, we'll take it back a little bit and talk about some football stuff because there's two nifty things. Um, nifty conversational pieces from the NFL this week that I figured we could start off the show with. Corwin, you're ready to get into it? No. Well, buckle up, buttercup, because here we go. Uh, So the first thing that I think is by far the bigger of the the two things here is that Aaron Rodgers, who has been holding out from the Packers, saying that he wants to uh, be traded or at the very least not play for the Packers uh corn and i talked about this a few months ago i guess when he had said this um he said it wasn't about money it was an organizational thing they've never put a, a good offense around him they also have not put a good defense around him most seasons it's definitely that part of it's definitely gotten better as of late but still not by much and he just doesn't like the way things have been going in green bay and he wants out and if he can't get out he's going to retire and you know, everyone saw his stint as the host of Jeopardy as a, Hey, maybe he could actually like do this. Look how personable he is. He's handsome and still real world young, even though he's football old. Um, And it appears as though he is putting his money where his mouth is because uh, Adam Schefter of ESPN on uh, July 20th, which for us was yesterday said that Aaron Rodgers turned down a two year extension from the green Bay Packers that would have made him the highest paid quarterback and therefore player in the entire NFL. Um, It would tack an additional two years onto his remaining contract, which so altogether be five years more with green Bay um, and make him by AAV the highest paid player of all time. And he said, no, He's, he's 37. He's made his money. He is now being guided by principles. in a shocking turn of event. Rich man turns down a dollar. Um, And fuck, you don't usually see this. Usually when teams talk this kind of talk, they don't then go, all right, here's a comical amount of money. You know, like you'll get, like, like, uh, I think the Nationals offered Bryce Harper some contract of some size. I'm not even going to bother looking up because it doesn't matter. But I think whatever it was was like nowhere near what the Phillies had offered him, and it was one of those like, "We like you. We no, we love you. Stay, stay for more." Oh, okay, you can go. Um, which is what you usually get. And this seemed like, from at least Schefter's reporting, a sincere attempt by Green Bay to be like. Aaron, Aaron, we will get on our knees and do whatever we got to do down there to keep you around. And Aaron Rodgers was like, nope. Uh So Corwin, what do you what do you make of this drama?
1: Oh, I love it mostly because this is whew, exciting. Um, this is absolutely wild and I love it. It's genuinely really fun just to see how um, crazy this is. Uh, I mean, you have Aaron Rodgers. You have a guy who's a top three quarterback in the league. He's turning down a contract that would make him the highest paid player in the history of the NFL for the next five seasons, was it? Yes. Two, five. five seasons. And he's turning it down to leave one of the, you know, most historic, one of, you know, if you look at accomplishments, one of the greatest franchises in all of, you know, North American sports and in all of football or lead their relationship went. And there's nothing they can really do about it. Like they can't bite the bullet with him for this long like they have to be able to redeem some value obviously the team has more leverage I would say but at what point do you just cut your losses and save yourself the reputation killer yeah I just I really want to see him get traded to a serious team that gives a shit um I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think he's going to get traded to a team that like the Broncos who can offer like a mid-level package and turn their team around and I don't know, that would actually be really exciting. I just want to I just want to see something happen. I can't wait. I'm Do you think something does happen?
0: So we have talked, that's what I was winding up to do and then lost all the words and I just had vowel sounds stuck in my mouth. Um it,
1: good,
0: good, good Uh we've talked about it often about how it seems as though it would regularly make more sense if teams cut their losses on players and traded them to recoup value. We've talked about this for a myriad, we, uh, we have called this because we talked about it so much using Bryce Harper as the example, the Bryce Harper example, because it was very clear he was not going to resign with Washington after the end of his contract, and he didn't. And there was conversation at the time should Washington keep Bryce Harper around?
1: This sounds a little off
0: it sounds off
1: yeah i don't know how to describe it like almost like not echoey but kind of you don't sound normal why
0: don't i sound normal i haven't I touched wish, anything
1: i wish i knew the vocabulary to describe it to you but i would just like,
0: like my my mixer isn't even on the desk i couldn't have even touched it
1: i i don't know you sound different
0: Oh, fuck! Well, I'm not editing this out because I'm very lazy and I don't really know how to do it. So this is just going to have to be how it is. All right, hold on. All right, we had paused the recording to figure out audio issues and it's all resolved. Anywho, uh, you'd think that with teams being so openly cold-blooded in so many other senses, they would be more cold-blooded in another, but it seems as though that cold-bloodedness only comes as a result of them trying to get rid of a player who has no, or at least less production than they need rather than a good player. They can squeeze whatever small amount of production out of that. They can, the nationals probably kept Bryce Harper around to help them win a handful extra games at the end of the season, rather than, move him to a different team and collect prospects that could help them win more games down the road, because that's how they roll. Uh, if I was green Bay, well, obviously I think we all want to ascribe ourselves some level of virtuosity and you know, we'd be the good GM, the, the cool GM, all the players like to hang out with. Um, but I mean, I'm not a GM, so I'm never going to know. So I'm just going to act like that and say, yeah, I'd probably just trade Aaron Rodgers wherever he wants to go. I think he's earned that. Um, he sat for a comically long time for a guy who's going to end up as a Hall of Fame quarterback because you, as an organization, didn't know what to do about Aaron um, Brett Favre. And now mm-hmm. he wants you to not keep him around too long because you don't know what to do with Aaron Rodgers, and he's making the decision for you. He's given your team a fuck ton. He's given you guys a Super Bowl championship. The fact that he hasn't given you more than one is your own damn fault move the fuck on and let him finish out his career how he wants with some fucking grace instead of being the de facto forcing into retirement franchise that you're currently on stride to be. No one wants to have to turn to the Green Bay Packers as a fun fact at bar trivia in 10 years to be what team forced Aaron Rodgers into retirement because they refused to trade him. No one wants that to be your fun fact. Move the fuck on. It's better to see Joe Namath retire as a Colt, I think. Ram, one of the teams, I um, get to finish his career out the way he wanted than to not get that second opportunity. You'd rather see Martin Brodeur finish his career with the St. Louis Blues and understand that, yes, I have reached the end of my career rather than have to constantly wonder or feel like he got sandbagged by the Devils. It sucks but that's the way it is. Fucking get over it. And you have the chance to get value out of it. Those other the Jets, the Devils, they didn't get value out of that shit. You can get value out of this and you're not doing it.
1: Martin Brodeur wasn't coming off of an MVP season.
0: I understand but at the same Don't time, like
1: I'm 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 fully yeah. supporting you. Like okay. they could get so oh. much value back. He won MVP last year. He's not at the end of his career. He's not at the end of his road. He's got so much he can do.
0: Uh, and the real reason they're not trading him is because Green Bay will be a dumpster fire without him. Absolutely. And that might Absolutely. sound like a full, well, no shit. They lose Aaron Rodgers. Well, if you take a good quarterback, at, like the Patriots underperformed the first season without Tom Brady, but they were not necessarily a dumpster fire. They were a team that was but, just missing their hall of fame. Greatest of all time quarterback like Green Bay will be a hot mess of steaming garbage and is going to expose the GM because he didn't put a good team together like your team is currently two fucking people it's Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers so congrats you fucked up
1: there's still time but they're quickly running out of it quickly
0: and as neutral fan it's fun to watch
1: oh Oh, yeah. Very oh, fun yeah. to
0: watch. Gotta say.
1: Mm-hmm. As someone who's in the AFC, this is great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, dude, so if gets, I was. Until he gets traded to an AFC team, A- AFC team, and uh, wrecks my shit up for the next 10 years.
0: What would you do if the Steelers traded Ben Roethlisberger for Aaron Rodgers? Which honestly also actually wouldn't be the worst thing.
1: Aaron Rodgers trading Ben out of nowhere, like I, it would hurt me as a fan until the season started or like training (laughs) camp started, and I saw Aaron Rodgers in a jersey. Until you saw, yeah,
0: the first the first pick of Rodgers in a jersey. (laughs) Yeah,
1: like I just came a little bit thinking about it. My mom just, oh my god, I had family in town this week. Okay, I'm just gonna stop touching the laptop and giving people fucking epilepsy. Um my mom had family in town and she was telling them all about my podcast. And then, you know, as moms do, and I realized in the first episode that's gonna come out since then, um I've making your o face coming <laughs> while making my O face. So to my sixteen year old cousin, I'm sorry. To my forty-five year old cousin, I'm a little less sorry, but
0: like to say this isn't every episode, but it very much so is every episode.
1: <laughs> it's it's every episode. If this yeah. is the one you're listening, just understand this isn't different. This is oh just, no. You know me as like oh you're happy like you you were saying you know me as like a twelve year old kid because I'm a little. All right, again, stop touching the yeah. laptop. I need to get a desk. So. Uh, speaking
0: yeah, of, uh, speaking of Wisconsin, the Milwaukee Bucks, <laughs> that's right. Fuck you. The Midwest.
1: <laughs> I just also <laughs> would like to say we spent so much time talking about what we could talk about. This was not on it either.
0: No, um,
1: the NBA championship. And we were like,
0: well, we forgot. So, well, because as you a question, did you watch any of it?
1: No, no.
0: I gotta I gotta admit, I was actually really excited when the Suns made it, and I was like, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to make a point of watching this. Um, mm-hmm. but the problem is I only set up NBA alerts in like the last five or ten games of the regular season. Mm-hmm. Like Game Start, and I only did it for the Knicks. I didn't think to do it for the playoffs, and so I never got any alerts to when the games were (laughs) so every time there was a game happening i found out while i was mindlessly scrolling through twitter like in the second half and i was like i'm not readjusting my whole night for this at this point like it's nine o'clock at night and this is what it is and i'm sorry um
1: i would be on twitter and see that the game was happening like last night i was like oh wow it's a really close game it's halftime you know game six this could be it and then just decided to sit on my phone on Reddit because that was more stimulating than basketball.
0: Supposedly, it was a good one, but, uh, oh, man. I wouldn't know. I also think, and this is going to make absolutely no sense, um, I I think I would have cared more if the Suns were on the verge of winning than the Bucks, And that's not oh, yeah. a preference. Oh, yeah necessarily for one team or the other, but the Suns felt like such more of a weird long shot in my mind. Um, and maybe it's because Giannis Antetokounmpo just came off of back-to-back MVP seasons. Um, not this season, but the two seasons prior. Um, and I've, I, I know like one name on the Suns um, and I'm still iffy because I don't watch a lot of basketball. So I think the underdog nature of it would have intrigued me more like the 2014 world series, but uh, then it turned out like the 2014 world series and uh, yeah, I don't give a fuck.
1: So I would have just enjoyed rooting for a team. That's been like hilariously bad for most of my life. Most of my conscious life, at least where I've known basketball teams. Um, it would have been cool to see them come out of nowhere and just kind of you know, didn't even make the playoffs last year, went undefeated in the bubble. And now this year going to the NBA finals, like that's a great story. Plus, you know, Devin Booker super lovable. You know, Chris Paul is an all-time player. It's a great storyline. Giannis, you know, pretty good player, but yeah. Yeah. One to hate on him.
0: I don't, I don't have any hate because I don't follow the NBA close enough, but it's there. Touche. Um, all right moving on because again nothing creative to say uh the only other football topic that we had written down here which we can probably move on from very quickly is that eli manning and peyton manning will be sharing an uh monday night football booth i think it was monday night football i had the article up and i'm not gonna check it because i folded my arms and i'm very comfortable uh <laughs> uh are you interested or does it feel gimmicky what what would you expect out of that
1: To am, first ballot Hall of Fame. I am guaranteed like I'm going to set an alarm for this game like I don't give it like if Eli, Eli himself was in a booth with like a normal like Joe Buck or whoever I would not give a shit if Peyton Manning was in a booth by himself I'd probably like I might tune into the game I might try and watch it if it's you know something I can get and it's not during the Steelers game I don't care if it's Steelers Ravens I'm going to watch Peyton and Eli in a booth together because they're fucking hilarious as just like guys being dudes just as brothers. They just have that kind of like all the clips you've ever seen of them like fucking around with each other. It's going to be hilarious in the booth. I'm going to watch it like, yeah, it's a little gimmicky, but fucking sure. Let's go for it.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, Peyton's been doing a really great job with whatever that show he has on ESPN plus. What's it fucking called?
1: Peyton's places.
0: Yeah. Is that really it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if something very bad, nope. um, but he's apparently been doing a great job with, with hosting that. I don't actually watch it, but it gets good reviews. So that's what I'm passing along to you. Uh, and Eli is a fucking dope and in the best way he's, a, he's a mm-hmm. fucking goofball. And I love Absolutely. him. Um, and I like, what do you think we're going to get more of? Hard hitting, interesting analysis or ball busting of the highest degree.
1: Ball busting. It's going to be ball busting.
0: And the thing and is. That's why I
1: want to watch it so bad because it's going to be like sitting on a couch with him.
0: And then great. in between the ball busting will be really, really good analysis because they it's both Peyton can do Manning.
1: it. Yeah. It's Peyton and Peyton Eli. Manning. Yeah. Like we love to talk shit about dopey Eli, but he was the first overall pick for a reason.
0: And played. Fucking forever.
1: Won two Super Bowls. Yeah, hard Thanks, to do David against Tyreek. Tom Brady and Mario Manningham.
0: Plaxico Burris.
1: shot himself in the leg. For the people, I'll let you, I'll give you one guess on who drafted Plaxico Burris. Like what team? Mm-hmm. The Steelers. Cool, that was a good one. Yeah, good guess. We've talked basically about this a if
0: lot. basically if it's a if it's a good wide receiver, I have just assumed that the Steelers have drafted them at this point.
1: Mm-hmm it was quite it's been quite the run it was it's still going
0: yeah it's astonishing and frustrating and i hate it but i respect it
1: as a steelers fan it's such like a a love hate thing where it's like oh we you see us draft a wide receiver and it's like okay i can't be upset like we know what we're doing this is great and then you see like them draft like defensive backs and like all these other positions so terribly and it's just like You've figured one out. You've mastered it. You've mastered your six iron. Now just learn how to hit any other club, please. For the love it's, of like,
0: it's like the Mets drafting pitchers versus the Mets drafting hitters. Or like the Angels drafting hitters yeah. and then the mm-hmm. Angels drafting pitchers.
1: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Man, if you just swapped out those two uh, units and those two teams, oh my God, you'd have one of the best teams in baseball And also worse than the Baltimore
1: Orioles. (laughs) What if, like, obviously, like, the NHL is expanding with the Kraken today, but they had, like, 31 teams for a hot minute. What if, like, they've had it for, like, 10 years, the expansion team, like, folded, never was created, whatever, and then all of a sudden they're like, all right, we're sick of this stupid odd number bullshit. We need to get rid of a team. We're just going to pick the two worst teams and just – put them together and just say you're one team now figure it out i would love to see if like the best personnel and the best players from the two worst teams could come together and be a winning franchise
0: so the two worst teams by record are the baltimore orioles and the arizona diamondbacks and honestly i'd actually think that would probably be pretty okay Assuming both teams are healthy, which I know is an assumption, but suck my dick. um, The catcher of that team would be Carson Kelly. And I'm going to be very lazy about how I do this analysis. And I'm just going to use OPS Plus because, again, this is a very conversational podcast. Suck my dick. I'm
1: going to do this. I'm going to do this with the two worst teams in the NFL while you do this.
0: Okay. Um, so Carson Kelly would be the catcher because his 129 beats out Pedro Severino's uh, 79 or 78. Uh, first baseman would be Trey Mancini. His 115 beats out Christian Walker, 74. Your second baseman would be uh, Josh Rojas, uh, who's 113 OPS plus beats out Pat Vileka's 36. Fuck you, Pat Vileka. What the shit is that, dog? 36? Trying to suck any dig on the way to the parking lot. God damn. Wow. Okay. Ryan.
1: Try not to suck any dick on the way to the parking lot. From Clerks. Uh, fucking! Uh,
0: How many guys have you gone down on?
1: Thirty-six.
0: Thirty-six, including me. Thirty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
1: I should rewatch Clerks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick that movie on the podcast next week.
0: You should check out juicing the Big Screen for your movies review and discussion. Uh, all right. Anyway. Uh, for shortstop, we'd probably end up going Ramon Urias. Urias. I'm sorry, Ramon. I don't know how, know how to pronounce your last name. I see so many versions of it. Um, with his 116 OPS plus, beating out Nick Ahmed's 62. Third base. I guess you would go. Uh, since I don't see a definitive third baseman since Michael Franco's on the IL right now and his OPS plus is 75, I guess by default we're going with Eduardo Rodriguez and his 112. So far, all of these have been over 110. Like seriously, these two teams complement each other so well based on their um, players slash currently injuries. Uh, then your outfield would likely be uh, Cedric Mullins with his 148 OPS plus. Uh, Ketel Marte with his 162, and then kind of dealer's choice on the third, either David Peralta and his 97, um, or – oh, no, sorry, Austin Hayes. My bad. Austin Hayes and his, and his 102, with the DH being Ryan Mountcastle and his 138 OPS+. plus. That's actually a rather decent squad, and then your bench players would all be sub-100 OPS-plus guys, but, like, whatever, it's your bench players. And then time. your rotation.
1: Thank you. I forgot. I forgot pitchers were a thing.
0: Yeah. The rotation would be Zach gallons, one Oh nine ERA plus in 46 innings, I guess. And Taylor Widener and his 119 OPS plus ERA plus in 33 innings. Merrill Kelly also has a 94 ERA plus and 117. Um, let's see for the Orioles end of it though just john means i guess and his 165 era plus bruce zimmerman also has a 93 era plus in 59.2 innings but depends on how you want to shake it out that that is five to six guys that so depending on how you want to uh run with it so that seems like a fine enough bullpen where you're uh, starting rotation where you have a clear number one guy in john means and then a bunch of like fourth third or fourth starters but hey i mean that might be good enough to get get it done and then a bullpen that doesn't suck tanner scott uh paul fry cole sulcer for the from the orioles combined with uh taylor clark and joe Mantiple from the diamondbacks i guess walking uh, Saria, you could throw in there if you felt like it, but that's mm-hmm. up to you. Uh, Adam Plotko has also been decent this season. Taylor Wells. Also, shouting out Taylor Wells. He's had a good year. Um, oh, shit. So is Dylan Tate. Sorry, Dylan. Didn't realize you were killing it. So anyway, point being, that's that's not a half-bad team.
1: No, it really isn't. It's actually quite um, a good team. Really I have made it through the offense, which... I'll take given the fact that this is like 50 minutes. Players. Yeah. So like, um, all right. Defense. I'll just do on the fly. Cause fuck it. Uh, quarterback. So I should say the two worst teams I picked were the Houston Texans. I think they were clear. Number one. And unfortunately, Josh, the New York jets.
0: I was wondering if you're going to pick them. I think it's appropriate.
1: I would agree. um, let me get two windows up so that I could do this professional style. Oh, yeah. All right. Quarterback Deshaun Watson. It we're not going to discuss his accusations. If he is a quarterback still active on the team, he is far and away the best option. Running back, not a lot of options. I went with Philip Lindsey. Um, he'll. He'll do a little bit of everything. He'll get it done. Sure. Wide receivers, Corey Davis, Brandon Cooks, Elijah Moore. Um, I would be happy with that threesome on the football field. Uh, Sorry, cousins. Uh, Tight end, Christopher Herndon. Offensive line. Genuinely a really good offensive line. Laramie Tunsil, Elijah Tucker, Connor McGovern, Marcus Cannon, Titus Howard, Titus Howard. I get it. He's got a lot to be desired. Former first round pick, you know, young kid, second year in the league. He'll figure it out. If not, you can replace one player. That's fine. Um, defense, boy. Okay, okay. This is a this is a whole lot of shit. I'm just gonna come out and say that they also play two very different defenses um Carl Lawson I guess Charles Omenahue I guess and Williams and wow and Sheldon Rankins I guess CJ Mosley and Whitney Merciless and Zach Cunningham sure oh boy oh, Marcus May definitely uh Justin Reed. Okay, that's actually a re- we're playing two free safeties. I don't care. Justin Reed, Marcus May. We'll get uh we'll get uh fucking yeah, Bradley Roby, you're a good player. Desmond King, you're a good uh Nickelback. Vernon Hargraves, sure, we'll assume you got better. Okay, there's your team. Boom. Would that be a good uh, team? Ashton Davis, I need a second. Uh no, we we do. Never mind. Ashton Davis, you're off the team. Whew. I'll tell you what that uh, that defense selection was stressful on the fly. That was stressful. I'm sorry.
0: How many wins is that team putting together?
1: That team's going to the playoffs. Okay. That team, if if you if you have Deshaun Watson there, you have some good wide receivers. You have a good offensive line. It's not blowing you away, but it's a good you know top. 10 offense, probably defense. That's a good defensive line. Those are some pretty decent linebackers. You could probably have a top 15 defense. Sure. Yeah. And you know what that team's that team's winning their division.
0: All right. Okay. 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 All right. Let's take it to uh, the standings talk. It's going to take a while and we've done yes, a we lot see. of other shit. Yes, um, have. So let's actually save the AL East for last this time. Let's go from West to central to East. We're in the AL. So let's talk about um, AL West. We're talking, looking at the Houston Astros currently on top of that division at 58 and 38. Again, these are standings as of end of day, the 20th. So these standings are two days old as you're listening to this because baseball reference does not update games after they conclude They update games, the day, the morning after games have finished. So 58 and 38 for the Astros. Uh, Oakland is behind them at 55 and 42. That's three and a half games back. Then Seattle at 51 and 44, six and a half games back. The angels at 46 and 48, 11 games back. And the Rangers at 35 and 60, 22 games back. So, so, Oakland and Houston have been battling for the, the division title for a while. Like they've been battling uh, trading places to certain extents over the course of the season with Houston usually winning out over the long-term uh, for the last three, four seasons. it uh, Feels like maybe five, I'd have to double check. Um, and it's continuing here, but again, over a long enough stretch of time, i.e. a full season, Houston Astros are going to win division they are doing that currently that is likely to hold itself but oakland has that first wild card spot probably or one of the two wild card spots likely locked up um depending on what toronto or uh, the yankees can do uh the big surprise here really is seattle the fact that the angels are floating neatly around 500 is um Yeah, not fucking surprising. Uh, Every fucking year. Goddamn, they are the most hapless organization in sports. The Rangers, uh, everyone expected to be bad. They're still, I guess, trying to rebuild. They haven't done too much as of late. They're still getting surprisingly weirdly good performances out of random starting pitchers. Like, remember when Lance Lynn had like an eight-war season there a couple years ago before going to the White Sox? Yeah, it was super weird then, and it's staying weird. That's for sure. Two years ago? Was it two years ago? Or was it last year? Oh, it must have been two years ago because so it was a shortened season last year.
1: Yeah.
0: Whatever. It was weird.
1: Well, at least they have, you know, Alexis Lafreniere. So hopefully you can turn it around in a second year and the Rangers can do something.
0: Go fuck yourself. Um, and then, like, that. remember when they got, like, a 200 strikeout season from Mike Minor uh, like three, four years ago? And then uh, now they're getting a weirdly great season from Kyle Gibson. Like... They need to stop taking chances on veteran pitchers because it ends up working out too well for them, and they can't rebuild properly. (laughs) Um, Or at least they're taking chances on random pitchers.
1: Corner the market. Well, they sell them off every year for like crazy value, and they just reap in profits.
0: I I was going to say the other thing is that they should do is take chances on younger guys, which actually they did do on Mike Moulton he's 29 but he has like a 6 ERA and it's looking rough. Um
1: yeah. If you made me guess how old Mike Fultonevitch was, 29 was nowhere close. Yes, I would sir. have said like 34.
0: How old do you think Jordan Lyles is?
1: Just tell me. I don't want to guess cuz it's going to be very wrong. 30.
0: Also feels 35. And then how old do you think Dane Dunning is?
1: Oh, um, 25. 26. Yeah,
0: fantasy team. Oh, do you have him?
1: Yeah. Ah. I think I have Uh, him in both my dynasty leagues that I no longer play in.
0: (laughs) Nice. Please start playing more. No. Yeah, the, uh, the, the Rangers have... Outfield and nothing else, but we're not going to spend too much time talking about them, I guess, because um, there's no point.
1: And one of them probably won't be there much longer.
0: <laughs> it, oh, well, that's, that's part of the, I guess, yeah, I guess that's a good reason to talk about it. So obviously, Joey Gallo is having himself a very tidy season, uh, 145 OPS plus. He's got like 24 home runs and, you know, six singles or some bullshit. Not really. Uh, he has 67 hits less. Um, 31 extra base hits means that he has 36 singles to 24 home runs so he actually does have a decent amount of singles this year anyway not the point uh should the rangers trade joey gallo
1: yes they yeah. are not going to compete anytime within his prime they aren't even going to come close in that time period get him now while you can get the most value for him.
0: I would say that if they didn't have Adolis Garcia having a great season and being a potential new fit for them, then maybe they should consider keeping Joey Gallo to at least have some guy be the guy.
1: Right. I agree with that. You need to have one player on your team to give you hope, to give your fans hope.
0: And to you know be like your homegrown big contract guy. And obviously Adolis Garcia came over from the Cardinals. Um, but still like he's having his rookie season. I shouldn't even put that in air quotes, it is technically his rookie season, um, with the Rangers. So cause I I think actually how old is Adolis Garcia? Twenty uh, Garcia uh, twenty-eight. That's yeah, hilarious. I was
1: literally just was about to ask, how old do you think Adolis Garcia is?
0: That's hilarious, but this is technically his rookie oh year, God. which is also wild.
1: He has a thick fucking neck. <laughs> that uh,
0: neck. I don't know what pictures you're looking at, but we're gonna, just going to. That's a huge neck. That's a lot of neck. Corwin's putting a picture of Adoles Garcia up to the zoom. So, yeah.
1: Um, it's, not, it's not Paul Puzzlesi's neck, but, you know. it's a big neck. Yeah,
0: the, the Rangers have to decide what they're going to be. Um, and honestly, at this point, it's tough to know how to do it without spending $500 million because they don't have a lot of rookies. Like, what? Is it Paul Pazlesny? It is Paul Pazlesny. It's, it's too much neck. I don't want to Look see that much neck. neck. I, I have to stop looking at the neck. It's
1: too much neck. <laughs>
0: Anyway, the chaos
1: spikes. Look them up.
0: It's 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 tough to see how the Rangers get out of their mess without spending five hundred million dollars because their team is garbage. They don't have a young, like. It is very conceivable how the Orioles could turn their team around in like two seasons if they actually went out and spent up to the luxury tax threshold because they have enough young players that they developed or traded for from other teams, which still counts as developing. But some people are pedantic. Um that they can fill a lot of their holes themselves very competently and then fill in the rest with uh, trades or acquisition, you know, free agent acquisitions, what have you with the Rangers. It's really tough to see where they do that. No one on that team hits particularly well outside of Nate Lau, Adoles Garcia and Joey Gallo. Um, and then a lot of the other players they have are just kind of guys like Brock Holt's a guy, Charlie Culberson's a guy. Uh, they got a good and,
1: defensive shortstop. They've got what else? Where else do they have good good players?
0: And their rotation's a mess. Um, their bullpen is actually bullpen's kind of fine, but it's I I they're not a Joey Gallo away from competing, and that's why I think they should probably trade him obviously you couldn't get a Chris sale style return because that was Chris sale. And this is Joey Gallo, but you know, for some more top line prospect,
1: you're right Their Fucking the the rotation is a mess.
0: It's an absolute mess, which is why honestly, you know, like if you're the Yankees, you know, you're in a, actually a weirdly decent position to offer up some, some pitching prospects in this trade, you know, like, uh, obviously Yankees fans probably don't want to hear Luis Medina should, should go. Um, But, you know, if you put together a package that's surrounded either um, some combination of, you know, like Acevedo uh, Medina and Garcia, if I'm the Rangers, I'm all over that Medina and Garcia could be two actual rotational pieces that you can try to build around or at least work around in the near future, you know, Depending on how you want to view near, but regardless, we spend a lot of time talking about the Rangers. We should probably move on.
1: They have Charlie Culberson, so they're actually a really good team. Sorry, we uh, talked so much shit for so long.
0: Nah, I don't. I'm not. I i do not apologize at all. Uh, the Mariners are in such a shitty spot because there is basically absolutely no way they can make the playoffs, but they actually have a winning record, and it's 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 sad that that has to be ruined for them.
1: Uh, very much uh, hard agree. I should say.
0: That is just so unfortunate. When was the last season? you think the Mariners had a winning record after a full season.
1: Uh, two thousand
0: one. Uh, oh, actually, twenty eighteen. Really? They finished 89 73.
1: I don't believe you. Doo, 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 doo.
0: I have zero recollection of that. Yeah, I don't. Which guess. means it and
1: didn't. I refuse to accept that it happened.
0: And then in twenty sixteen, they finished eighty six and seventy six. Okay, so hold on. They are, they are just back and forth. So the 2013 Seattle Mariners, 71 and 91. The 2014 Seattle Mariners, 87 75, winning record. 2015, 76 86, losing record. 2016, 86 and 76, winning record. 2017, 78 84, losing record. 2018, 89 73, winning record. 2019 68 94 2020 27 and 33 but you know shortened season and so far this year 2021 they're 51 and 44 they are just hopping back and forth over the line of 500 without being able to decide which side of it they want to be on wow that's very funny actually
1: uh that sucks for those fans
0: it Well, I mean, they also haven't made the playoffs in the 21st century. So, yeah, there's a lot to feel bad about if, you're AR, if you are a uh, Mariners fan. Fair enough. Imagine you're a Mariners fan and you got in on, you know, like the 98 team and you're like, we're never going to die. And then you have not made the playoffs since like 2001 or some shit. Uh, and the Supersonics left. And um, now you're getting a hockey team that could reasonably make the playoffs before the Mariners do, with like a 20 year head start. It's insane. Anyway,
1: I just, I'm so excited for their future. It's definitely such a bright,
0: yeah, it's definitely the brightest it's been in a long time. Uh, But Do you see any change in these standings in the second half Uh, Does a return from Mike Trout shake up that third spot at all? Or do you think Oakland has the capacity to move past the Astros? Uh,
1: I don't think in either account it would. Fuck, I'm just going to abandon that sentence now. Uh, No, I think the standings stay exactly the same. Fuck. I don't think the athletics have the pitching to really overtake the Astros. And I don't think Mike Trout does enough to stop the Mariners unless they decide to just completely devolve.
0: Oh, I actually, I mean, the A's have a really nice rotation this season, which is never the case because they usually have um, a bunch of randos who sometimes Mm. have good years and then a bunch of good bullpen games but their rotation this
1: season, you're not wrong. I'm so worried about injuries for all of them.
0: I was, it's funny. Cause Lampers, I was gonna say, I'd be more Zordano. worried about injuries to the Astros rotation.
1: Really? Okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, Zach rank is 37. Um, Jose or is currently on the IL. Friend Valdez has had some injury concern recently. So same as Lance McCullers, Jr. Um, hmm. They're still waiting on getting Josh James back. Although, Chances are he'd be in the bullpen anyway, but still. Um, but so far, so good for them, I guess, which uh, good for you guys. Go fuck yourselves. Yeah, that's about where I stand on that. All right, let's uh, let's move on there from the West. Let's talk about the Central. Current standings we have here, the Chicago White Sox, top of the division, 38, 58 and 37. Uh, then followed by the Cleveland Indians at 47 45. That's nine and a half games back. Detroit Tigers 45 and 51, 13 and a half games back. The Minnesota Twins at 40 and 55, 18 games back. And the Kansas City Royals 38 and 55, 19 games back. Um, you got any surprises here for you? The Twins is obviously, I think, the the big surprise. Yeah, they were I mean... playing quite well up until this year
1: the tigers too like twins obviously are you know i picked them to go to the playoffs i picked them to you know take the one of the wild card spots i just i i feel like there's so much surprise here like white Sox being the best team in baseball surprising the indians being i guess they're they're only 2 games over 500 it's not that surprising this is just a really bad division um I guess when you actually look at the scores and not just like the order or the standards, I should say, it, it's much less surprising. Like Indians two games over 500 sure sounds adequate. Tigers being six games under sounds right. Six games under 500 and being third in your division is fucking bad. Twins are 15 games under 500. Well, the Royals are 16 games under 500. This is a horrible division. That's the surprise we should be talking about.
0: Oh, well, that's not a surprise. This is this has been the worst division of baseball.
1: Oh, we knew it was going to be the worst. We knew it was going to be, you know, the fucking absolute worst division in all of sports. Or all of baseball, I should say. I, I don't want to get too hyperbolic. But this is... Did we really think it was going to be this bad?
0: Yeah. I, I, I absolutely yeah. did
1: yeah okay maybe i'm just rose-colored glasses here but that just seems crazy
0: yeah, yeah. no it's it's so, it's a it's yeah. a it's a bad division it is oh so oh so bad um i will say though obviously again the big surprise is the twins you'd if the twins had the tigers like record like if those two records were switched I'd still be surprised if the Twins were doing poorly. But I wouldn't at all be surprised by the Tigers. However, the Tigers have actually done a really good job to only be six games below 500 Concerning the fact that they have been rife with injuries and are still trotting out a 900-year-old Miguel Cabrera. Um, they have dfa would Nomar Mazara, <laughs> Like... It's, it's been a wild ride for their batting, but still they've gotten good performances. Jonathan Scope, who's not even 30, and I don't understand how that's possible. Uh, he's 29, has a 123 OPS+. plus. Uh, they've gotten good seasons once again out of Heimer Candelario, Robbie Grossman, Akil Badu is having a wonderful rookie year. He's literally the best hitter on the team. Um, and then their pitching is really starting to kind of take shape. Casey Mize has been under an innings limit as of late because this will be his first full season um, as a starter. And by that, I mean, you know, a full 162-game season. Uh, Tariq Skubal has also been very good. Um, And then Matt Boyd, before he got hurt, was doing well. Spencer Turnbull, before he got hurt, was doing very well. And Wiley Peralta, out of nowhere, is having a colossal season for them at age 32. Um, couple of that in with a handful of decent bullpen performances from guys like Gregory Soto or Jose Cisnero, like their pitching is coming together rather nicely. And honestly, I don't think they're too far away from their batting being able to actually complement that. Um, so obviously you look at them being below 500 yet again and go, well, yeah, that looks right. Uh, but it's really it's a very different look than how they've been previously. Uh, last season they finished 12 games under 500 but again it was a very short season. Uh, so the last full season was 2019. you know how many wins they had in all of 2019 do you remember? 43
1: 47
0: <sighs> 40 they have 45 wins today. Like, it's not unreasonable to say that they're going to add on somewhere between 10 and 20 sounds high, but I'm going to say it anyway. Somewhere between 10 and 20 wins to their 2019 season total. And that's fucking impressive.
1: In five years, what do you think the uh, standings are going to be?
0: That is a wild question because this division is nonsense. Uh, but honestly, five years is long enough that there's a good chance that the magic of the White Sox current roster wears off a little bit as some of their older, but not old, players age. You know, Lance Lynn will be in his late for late thirties. Same with Dallas Keuchel and
1: as well be in his late forties.
0: They'll all be in, uh, <laughs> all be in uh, their sixties.
1: He's just going to last forever.
0: Um, Tony La Russa will be dead, I guess. Um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I realize you were it's because
1: I almost choked.
0: Yeah. Uh, whereas Casey Mize and Tariq Skubal will literally not even be thirty yet. Like in five years, those two guys will be twenty-nine.
1: They're so the primes their careers.
0: Yeah. So obviously, you know, you want to look at this White Sox team and how good they are and how young they are as well and go, obviously they are doing something right. This can be sustainable. And I think it certainly can be, but it's more so a question of, you know, five years is a little ways off. Um, Oh, it's the White Sox. I was thinking about the Tigers, the Tigers, uh, for anyone curious, currently, with a team OPS plus of 96 and a team runs per game of uh, 4.26 runs per game that puts them just below the Colorado Rockies and uh, just above the Chicago Cubs. So not great company to keep Um, their pitching. However, is uh, who are they? We're talking about Detroit. Right. Um, Has allowed 4.81 runs per game which is just worse than the Mariners and just better than the Rockies with a team ERA plus also of 96. Interesting. Very balanced here. So apparently they're very average, which would make sense because they have, uh, you know, a very average record at six games below 500. But still that is again, from where they are coming from, quite a turnaround. I would take that every day of the week. Uh, The fact Cleveland, is middling is not surprising. They never want to improve and therefore they don't. Um, Kansas city is the Texas of this division. They're the Rangers of this division. They're in very similar circumstances. I would think Um, Royal is probably a little bit better position if they wanted to do some trading, but uh, probably won't. They should really trade um, fucking what's his goddamn name. Andrew Benintendi, who's having a great season and a year where outfielders are not performing super duper well. Uh, The fact that they have a young controllable left-handed outfielder. Oh my God. They should, they should reap the benefits of a one Oh three OPS plus, but still 26 left-hand hitting outfielder, Andrew Benintendi and, uh, get him out of there. uh, but anywho,
1: anywho, anyhow, do you see I these want to d- say um, I was smart enough to turn my uh, camera off before I had to get up and move? Uh, didn't turn my mic off. So I'm sure you heard every fucking second of that. So, I did welcome. not
0: actually. Well, maybe it was to you. We'll, we'll find out. Uh, do you see these uh, standings changing at all within the next uh, couple months? Are you muted? You muted yourself. Yeah,
1: I absolutely did. Um, I could see, like, the Tigers overtaking the Indians if their young players really turn it on. And I could see the Twins dropping below the Royals. Um, But other than those two, there's really not much room for these teams to move. Like, by all means, the Twins could shoot up if the Tigers falter, the Indians falter. The Twins have a second-half resurgence. I just think it with how brutally bad they've been. It's uh, uh I just think mentally uh, it's going to be tough for that team to come back.
0: Yeah, I, it's really just they are a good hitting team that can't pitch the weight of a paper bag, and it's killing them. Like if you look at their hitting, all their hitters are are doing rather well for themselves. Maybe you'd want Miguel Snow to be having a better season than he currently is, but he's not having a bad season by any means. Uh, it's just... Yeah. Oh, my God, that pitching, that pitching, that pitching. Listen to the ERA pluses of their starters. Jose Barrios, 113. That's wonderful. Jay Happ, 68. Kenta Maeda, 89. Michael Pineda, 102. All right, that's fine. Matt that's Shoemaker. Not the
1: number I was expecting. Right? At all. <laughs>
0: Matt Shoemaker, 52 Bailey Ober 77 This is this is this is not good Randy Dobnak before he got hurt 54 uh Caleb Tilebar 93 it it's it's bad those are your main innings eaters right there and then you look at the bullpen Hansel Robles 99 all right that's fine Taylor Rogers 122 is wonderful. Jorge Alcala 80. Tyler Duffy 128 wonderful. And Alex Colomay, 91. And it's 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 just it's just bad. The team ERA plus is 84.
1: That is wildly dirty. I don't like that. There's so much there that's just pure shit.
0: They are allowing the third most runs per game in all of baseball at Uh, 5.34. The only teams worse than them are the Baltimore Orioles and the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's it. And the only reason that their record doesn't look quite as bad as the Orioles and the Diamondbacks is because this team can actually hit. But that's it. That's it. So anyway. All right, let's get into the AL East, and then we'll probably just end up wrapping it up. Um, and, oh, boy, is there so much to say about this fucking division. There's a reason we saved it for last. There's so much to say about this fucking division. So the standings as of today, the Boston Red Sox are on top of it at 57 and 38, followed by the Tampa Bay Rays at 56 and 39, one game back. Uh, Toronto currently at 48 and 43, seven games back. The Yankees. 49 and 44, also seven games back. And then Baltimore at 31 and 63. <laughs> Sorry, it's just, it still makes me laugh every time I see it. 25.5 games back. <laughs> um, Oh, it's just, it's such a big number. Uh, I should say as it stands right now, uh, the Red Sox are beating the Blue Jays, which uh, would put them at 58 and 38. And the Rays, I think, already beat the Orioles. Yes, they did. So actually, as it stands right now, which I feel like is a sentence I've or phrase I've said six times in the last 10 minutes, uh, the Rays are only half a game back since they won their game today and the uh, Red Sox game has not yet finished. So that's that. Uh, man, let's take it team by team because I have many things to say.
1: I might just turn my mic off and just let you rant.
0: No, 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 no. We need you for this. Okay. Integral part of the experience. The Corwin-Heller contributions. Uh, So this is, as I'm double-checking myself, yep, the only team, only division, where the team in fourth place has a winning record. Every other division, the fourth-place team has a losing record. And most of the other divisions the third place team has a losing record. So the fact that the AL East is this competitive one to four, I don't think is necessarily surprising, but it is still how no one's out of it in fourth place. And that's what's going to make this interesting to see. Um, So let's start at the bottom and work our way up. No, let's start at the top and work our way down. I really don't have too much to say about the Orioles. That way we can finish with the Yankees, basically. Uh, The Red Sox. Do you believe in the long-term, and by that I mean the remainder of the season, viability of the first half Red Sox performance?
1: I don't think they keep it. I think they drop a fair bit. I just don't see their pitching maintaining. I just don't see Devers and Bogarts and and all of these, you know, JD, all these really hot players being able to carry the the, uh, starting pitchers.
0: I don't think it carries on either. Um, I think there's been a lot of... Overperforming, but it's been very fortunately timed for the Red Sox because of what's happened when. So, if you look at their batting splits by month, their OPS plus relative to the league's split OPS plus for April and March was 117. It's a team OPS plus. That's very good. In May, it was 116, still very good. And each of June and July, it was 105, which is fine but not nearly as good as being 12% better than the entire league for your entire team, or sorry, 17% better, I should say. So it's slipping down from the very high, high that it had at the top of the season. Let's look at what their pitching has done month to month. They're allowed OPS plus, uh, in April and March was 90. So they were allowing, uh, quite a bit. Um, oh, no, sorry. I think this is going the other way. I'm trying to, I, I, I mentioned it several times how I hate that base fans does this. So, no, actually 90, sorry, 90 is good. My bad. 90 is good. Um, and then in May, it went up to 113. And then in June, it went up to 123. And here in July, it's dropped down to 95. So they were pitching well, Pitching worse, pitching worse, and now they're pitching better. And with both of these things being so mobile and inconsistent, it is tough to get a feel as to what exactly this team is. Because their hitting is clearly very, very good. Has has also been very timely. Like their lineup, Christian Arroyo, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, Alex Verdugo, Enrique Hernandez, Hunter Renfro, JD Martinez are all hitting over 100 OPS plus, which is wonderful. The second you get away from those guys, it gets destitute. Uh, Christian Vasquez, Bobby Dahlback, Uh, both at 77 and 75, respectively. Then he turned to the bench, Marvin Gonzalez, 59, Danny Santana, 54, Franchi Cardero, 35, Kevin Ploiecki, 84, Michael Chavis, 42, and then Jaron Duran, who just got called up recently, 70. So the point of that is saying they have no depth when it comes to their hitting, which so far, because they have been very timely with their hitting and their front-end production guys are so good you know, Raphael Devers, Xander Bogarts, and J.D. Martinez have been phenomenal, that they can cover up a lot of ground for the other guys. But the problem is when those guys don't perform at the top end and you have to rely on the 6-9 hitters, as every team has to lean on those 6-9 hitters a little bit, those guys for the Red Sox suck butt. And you look at the rotation, Nathan Eovaldi, 130 ERA plus, Martin Perez, 112 ERA plus, Nick Pavetta, 107 ERA+. Eduardo Rodriguez, 90. Garrett Richards, 95. And then you look at who else eats their innings for him. And uh, Matt Andres Actually, sorry. Uh, yeah, Matt Andres with a 78. Um, That's not wonderful. So their rotation has been, yeah, on average, fine, but not great. But they've been getting saved by the bullpen. Matt Barnes, Adam Andovino. Hirokazu Sabumara, Sabumura, sorry, Darwinson Hernandez, Josh Taylor, Garrett Whitlock, as of late, uh, and Brandon Workman have all been phenomenal. But how long can you lean on your bullpen for?
1: You can't. And he, you read off all those names of their starting pitchers who you know are just below or just above one hundred. I mean, I like Nathan Eovaldi. Like, he's not my favorite pitcher. He's not a guy I'd want as my number one, but he's a good, serviceable pitcher. He's a guy who can, you know, do what you need him to do. The rest of those names are just scary with just how quickly things can just blow the fuck up. Ugh.
0: And I, I totally understand the great bullpen middling rotation thing because that was the Yankees' M.O., from 2017 to today, the Yankees whole thing is like, we've got Luis Severino. We've got Masahiro Tanaka. And then we've got a house of horrors with a killer bullpen. And obviously the Yankees had some hundred win seasons in there, of course. But let me tell you, it, it, it got rough, especially when you had to go to the playoffs. And unless, you know, you got, I'm sure we had some surprise, great performances from guys like James Paxton. Who had had rough seasons before that, but those that is not it's not something you can bank on, not something you should bank on, and that's what makes it tough. And obviously, I think the Red Sox organization is very smart. Klein Bloom is, I mean, showing that he could do it in two different cities now, which is I mean, that's what every GM wants to just show that like it it's not nobody else, it's fucking me. Um, and he's he certainly has done that by putting together a winner way faster than anybody thought was going to be possible. Um, it's just a matter of how it shakes out for the rest of the season. And oftentimes if something is going to, to dip, it is going to be your pitching as you just tack on more innings. It's just harder to stay healthy as a pitcher than it is as a batter. And it, we we will see how it concludes. It's been phenomenal so far for the Red Sox, which is a infuriating sentence, but, We'll see how it shakes out, and the Rays are showing the opposite. They're showing that they are able to put their shit together and get on top of it. So, I was all right. You know what? Do you have any thoughts on the Red Sox? I I was wavering between two different questions.
1: Um, I really just think they're poised for. You know, there seems to be one team every year that has the second half just collapse. One team that has the second half just. Mega Rise, I think the Red Sox are the team just destined for collapse. And I'm not saying that because I just generally don't like them. I don't have any strong hatred towards them, you know, nothing like that. I just, I don't like them like them. So you can't hold me against (sighs) fucking words. Yeah, you can't hold that against me was what I was looking for.
0: I got you. All right, so let's take a look at the Rays then. Who, as again, as it stands today, at this moment, just one game or half a game back. So the Rays are in a wacky situation. Let's look at their um, let's look at their current construction. The team is batting rather well. Their uh, catcher Mike Zanino, one twenty-seven OPS. I'm not going to read them all off, but the only guys under a hundred, as it stands. Um, Right now is, uh, is the baseball conference still is the shortstop listed as Willie Adama. So I guess he's chewed the most innings at shortstop, but it's really Taylor Wells at 87 um, Kevin Kiermeyer the center fielder at 92 and Manuel Margot is currently on the IL at 98. So really Brett Phillips at 79 um, and their pitching has been, has been raised pitching, man. Uh, I mean, um, Tyler Glass now before he hit the I.L. was having a great season. But outside of that, the starters have been the starters. And then the bullpen has been ridiculous. So Ryan Yarbrough, uh, Michael Walker, the only two starters below 100, but they're not joined by uh, the guys sharing the rotation spots with them aren't very far behind as uh, Rich Hill and Shane McClanahan each have a 102 ERA plus. But the bullpen's been great. Open has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, Diego Castillo, the closer, has a 138 ERA plus. And then it really only gets better from there. Ryan Thompson, before he hit the I.L., was at 168. Andrew Kittredge is at 251. Uh, Jeffrey Springs is at 112. And Pete Fairbanks is at 129. And if you go deeper, Colin McHugh is at uh, 251 as well for his ERA plus in 39 innings. And Josh Fleming in 73.1 innings is at 101. So he's been performing just fine. JP Eisen also been doing well, 166. So you're very much so getting the Rays experience here, which is we have quick hooks on our starters because our bullpen is phenomenal. And once again, how long can you do that for?
1: I'd argue not very long, but at the same time the Razors are the team that keeps doing it. So I, I don't want to doubt them. Despite it's everything tough to, else we've said.
0: It's tough to get a perspective on it because yeah, they made the world series last season, but they made the world series in a shortened season, which would benefit a team that th- constantly throws around relievers because they don't have the time to put the wear on themselves. That would Tucker themselves out for the playoffs.
1: Just, up with your
0: reason. <laughs> um, not that I'm like begging either of these teams to be bad. It's just a concern that you have, much the same way if you have to lean in on, if the Mets have to lean on Jacob Degrom and Jacob Degrom gets hurt, what do you do?
1: You you roll over and die. Well, you
0: know, it, and it's a valid question. And then you know, obviously the answer is where the Mets we have seemingly a ridiculously good pitching. Um, development program that we continue to squander because we can't figure out how to hit home run to save our lives. Uh, but, you know, it's the same idea. If, if you have uh, six guys that all throw a hundred innings for you a piece, and then like four of them get hurt because relievers air out balls like nobody's business. And they pitch frequently in terms of days, which involves a different set of preparation and, and getting up and sitting down and all that type of shit. I'm not saying pitchers are destined to get hurt, Pitchers are destined to get hurt. Pitching is like willingly putting your arm in a car accident every day.
1: Other than Lance Lynn, what like workhorse iron arms do you know of? I, I have forgotten every. It was Justin Verlander night. for me before he got hurt. Right. Max Scherzer? Uh, no, because he seems to get hurt a fair amount too. Recently, yeah, but
0: usually he's better. At not getting hurt. It's a weird stupid sentence. Um I Guess you could also say Garrett Cole.
1: Yeah. Uh innings pitched since what do you want to say, twenty seventeen? Twenty sixteen? Twenty seventeen. Okay. Uh, I can't find that information readily.
0: Oh, this is the this is the real shit, man.
1: I feel I'm just like not even close to being able to answer this. All right, hold on, let me look it up. Um, this is all right. I'm trying FanGraphs. Single season, no.
0: Hold on, let's pause this real quick. This was a race, and Josh won. The most innings pitched from 2017 to 2021 is Garrett Cole, 808.2 innings pitched, followed by Zach Greinke with 806.1. That is, yes, a shock, but I maybe it shouldn't be. Um, followed by Jacob deGrom for all his injuries at 782.1, and Max Scherzer, for, despite all of his, at 766.0. And Corbin, would you like to guess at 5? Oh, hold on. I lost Corwin. He'll be back eventually. Um, number five is absolutely not a guy I would have picked, but I guess it makes sense because I'd never usually hear about him being hurt. And that is a big thing when you're part of a rotation in order to accumulate a bunch of innings, because obviously you're getting the playing time. You're in the rotation. Um, that's Aaron Nola. who's was pitched 760.2 Patrick Corbin. Uh, is number six at 756, Trevor Bauer at 745, Lance Lynn at 733, Armand Marquez at 732, and then finishing out the top 10 is Jose Berrios at 716, which is a very interesting top 10 list. Um, So I guess it's only fair to qualify all of those people as workhorses since they have the innings to back up that title. Uh, but definitely some guys there that I wouldn't have thought of as workhorses. Like Patrick Corbin, for whatever reason, and maybe that's on me, doesn't stick out as a workhorse. But, oh, well, big old deviation back to the time at hand. Obviously, the Rays and the Red Sox pitching we'll hold until it doesn't. And I'm sure I'm adding in some pettiness because I don't want them to succeed because I want the Yankees to. Um, but I think between the two teams, I would actually probably put the Red Sox as being more sustainable for the success. Whereas Corwin had them to crash and burn. I probably wouldn't because their batting has been so much better. I think if anything with the susceptibility of bullpen health as a, as a, as a, as a given, uh, the Rays are probably more well positioned to struggle in the second half. Welcome back, buddy.
1: Do you want to take a wild guess at what happened?
0: Uh computer died.
1: No. Update? Windows update. Yep.
0: Ah, there it is. Uh the top ten. I'm just gonna read about it out because I already moved on. Um
1: <laughs> already i i I figured it out as as I Oh, opened okay. up my like as I was waiting for Zoom. I was like, oh, this was incredibly easy once I put it together. Like once I found the actual option, it's like oh, it's right there.
0: Gotcha. So who who you let's make sure I, I did it my, mine right then? Who was your top five?
1: Um, Garrett Cole, Zach Grinky, Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, Aaron Nola.
0: Yep. I got the same guys.
1: I'm surprised Aaron Nola's there.
0: That's so when you when you had died out before I realized you were gone. I had said, I'll give you a guess at who number five is because I would not have picked him as being a workhorse. Um, And it was Aaron Ola. Yeah. Jeez. So let's talk about Toronto. They're currently tied with the Yankees in terms of uh, how many games back they are from the division title. Uh, But they are one up on the Yankees in the loss column, which obviously matters the most. Um, And they like to a certain extent, the Red Sox have found their success in hitting. They have been creaming the ball. uh, And it's helped make up for some deficiency with their pitching. um, Since everyone not named Robbie Ray has not been pulling their weight. Um, Sorry, not Robbie. Ray. Um, Oh no, hold on. What am I looking at? I was sorry, hold on. I looked at the wrong stat. Uh, Actually, their rotation's been super decent. Robbie Ray, one hundred fifty-three uh, ERA plus. Rue, one hundred thirty-five. Stephen Matz, one hundred and one. Alec Manoa, who just hit the ten-day IL this week, uh, one hundred fifty-five. And then Ross Stripling at eighty-nine. That's it. They've actually have a very nice rotation looking here. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean it explains a lot. Robbie Ray. I mean, you're. I know you're going to ask what the biggest surprise is. It's it's Robbie Ray by a million. Like this guy was absolute like he was Mr. Hype like three four years ago, and then has just been cast away as like yeah, you're not bad, but like you're fucking dog shit kind of reputation, like we so... he got shit on a lot on Reddit, at least that's you know, of course, that's where we get a lot of baseball knowledge, but like he's been bad, but not like hot trash, like some pitchers.
0: So I had applied for a job with the Yankees two years ago, I think. And this was relatively recent. And I got to uh, the second or the third stage with them to be in their analytics department. And I think I actually talked about it on the podcast when it happened. And one of the – and the stage I was at was like a survey – uh, like an open-ended 10 question kind of thing. And it was like a how you think kind of thing. And one of the questions was, who would you trade for? If you were in the analytics department and my choice was Robbie Ray. And I had been left to wonder if that was a reason I didn't end up getting to the, I guess, third or fourth stage of the interview process. I'm not sure which one it was. Um, because I was doubting if that was a good decision to go with Robbie Ray. And so far, I know it's only one season out of many. But so far, I feel, I feel pretty fucking vindicated. I got to say, I feel pretty fucking vindicated.
1: Call up, call up Mr. Steinbrenner and tell him. Hey, fuck you.
0: I'm going to call up Brian Cashman and be like, the biggest mistake, the biggest signing mistake you ever made was not signing this guy right what you, here.
1: What would you say his worst signing mistake has been?
0: I think everyone universally in a chorus around the globe would all declare at once sorry, there's actually literally fireworks happening outside my window as I was saying that. Uh Jacoby Ellsbury.
1: But but catcher's interference.
0: It can only get you to first base. <laughs> Like it only it only works when you show up to the games, man. How,
1: how did him going to, uh, what was it, uh, Fenway Park for? Uh, fuck, what was his last name? Pedroia. Yeah, Dustin Pedroia's like ceremony, like going out onto Fenway Park's field. I don't know if it has an actual name. Wearing a Red Sox jersey when when they played the Yankees. Do you care at all? No,
0: I'm just happy he's you know still living his life. Obviously, you don't hope you don't want injuries to debilitate a guy. And everyone fucking knew when he was here, he was a Red Sox guy. Like no no Yankees fan is going to look at Johnny Damon's contributions to the Yankees, which were legitimate, and think to themselves, Johnny Damon's a fucking Yankee. Johnny Damon's always going to be a Red Sox. F- All right, fuck yourself, hipster <laughs> weirdo. Johnny Damon's always going to be a Red Sox because no matter how many. Positive memories we may or may not have of Johnny Damon. He's still one of the guys that helped end the curse. And he can go fuck himself to death because of it. Like, dick in ass until he stops breathing because of it.
1: The happiest
0: Johnny Damon ever made me was when he got traded to the Yankees because it pissed off Red Sox fans that I knew at the time. that is the only outstanding memory I have of Johnny Damon, even though he was actually a decent player for us.
1: Uh, I'll be honest. I only know Johnny Damon as a Yankee. I got in, like, my dad started watching baseball more, and just, like, I started watching the Yankees just because that's what was on TV most nights. And it was right when Johnny Damon started playing for him and was playing, you know, every day. And it was just like, oh, yeah, Johnny Damon, he's a Yankee. I never have ever known Johnny Damon as a Red Sox. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he was there from 0-2 uh, to 0-5. He was with the Royals from ninety five to two thousand. One season with Oakland, and then if they
1: don't they don't play that up much in Moneyball.
0: No, no, they don't. He has a banner, and you assume he's been there forever. Uh, then four seasons in New York. Sorry, four seasons in Boston. Four seasons in New York. Uh, a season with Detroit. A season with the Rays and then a season with Cleveland. So Johnny Damon was only a stint with the Toronto Blue Jays and Baltimore Orioles away from having played for all teams in the AL East. Um, And uh, yeah, again, he was a a fine enough player with the Yankees. He's actually a better batter with the Yankees than he was with the Red Sox. One twelve OPS plus with the Yanks, one oh eight with the Sox. Um, but he will always and forever be a Red Sox in my mind. And for that, he can go pound sand up his ass. So, yeah, that's where I stand. Haters never die, man. Anyway, back to the Blue Jays. Uh, it's tough to know how their rotation is going to shake out because it has been so inconsistent. Oh, a lot of guys are having significantly better years than you would expect, even on the, maybe the high end of your expectations. It's still more than you probably would have thought from a lot of these guys. Like, you know, I don't think necessarily anyone was expecting Robbie Ray to be destitute, but the fact that he's got a sub three ERA in over a hundred innings is fantastic. Like it's it's well above what you could have asked for from that signing. And same thing with a youngster like Alex Manoa, Alec Manoa. I always want to add the X there. Granted, only 40 innings, but he's he's also got a sub three ERA. Like that's he's it, it, been really good and he'll come back from the IL, I would hope, within short order for the Blue Jays' sake. And because their batting has been so ridiculous, you know, Vlad Guerrero, Marcus Simeon both having career years, Teoscar Hernandez keeping it together, uh, Randall Gritchuk and Bo Bichette. Sorry, Randall Gritchick and uh look. Le- Uh, yeah, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. performing fine enough, and uh, Bo Bichette, um, again, having a very nice season. You know, this is a team that is built to hit, and as long as their pitching doesn't lose them games, they should be in a position to win. And that's kind of what raises the question of who will win the war of attrition to continue potentially moving up in rank, the Yankees or the Blue Jays, and that's why it might be a little bit tough to pick the Yankees because the Yankees don't do as many things as well as the blue Jays do. And obviously I, the Yankees are better positioned to make trades because the Yankees have a very good farm system and a lot of money should they choose to flex it. If this, if their position doesn't change today, it's going to be tough to see how they kind of move forward from that. Um, the Yankees have one, two, three, four, five players, Above an OPS plus of 100, uh, DJ Lemayhew just falling shy of that. But the guys that they're not getting that production from matter. Gleber Torres and his 85 is that's not good. Brett Gardner has way too many at bats and he has a 63, sorry, 72 OPS plus. That's that's just bad. Miguel and Duhar too many at bats and has an 83 OPS plus. Um, The fact that DJ Lemayhew's OPS plus is 99 and not like 120, is a huge boon to the team and a big reason why we have not found a foothold in success that we have. Plus the fact that the bench guys and other semi-regular starters have been fucking ass. Clint Fraser, who's currently on the IL. 77, Aaron Hicks before he hit the IL. 74, Luke Voigt before he hit his third IL stint. 94, Kyle Agachioca before he hit the IL. 93, Tyler Wade's at 40. I mean, it's Tim Lacastro before he had the I.L. was at 73. Now, the, the young guys who came up, it's a whole different thing. And, you know, I'm going to wait until probably next week when we have um, a special guest on to, to talk about the Yankees, uh, save some of the talk about the youngsters until then. But it's it's been rough going for the hitting side of things. And so you might say to yourself, well, we can lean on the pitching. And so far, that's proven to be capable. But even then, you still have to wonder to yourself, how long can this last? You know, leaning on the bullpen the way we've been leaning on it and getting ridiculous career seasons out of guys that we might not want to bank on forever. Uh, I'm not saying that to be – I am a doom and gloom person because I'm a Jets fan and assume that everything that can go wrong will eventually go wrong, even as it's going very right. And that's what I would eventually expect to happen out of guys like Lucas Letty and Luis Sessa, who have been phenomenal this season, a 133 and 150 ERA plus respectively. Um, but do you expect that to hold up? It's it's tough. Jonathan Loisega and Chad Green, I have a lot more faith in. Aroldis Chapman and his 98 DRA plus is weird, and I also don't give a shit. He can go fuck himself. Um, but you get a little bit farther down in the bullpen, and it gets scary quick there. Wandy Peralta, who's currently hurt, seventy. Oh, sorry, 84 OP, uh, WRC plus. ERA plus, fuck me. Uh, Justin Wilson, who we throw out there a lot, has a 51 ERA plus. It's 8.62 is his ERA. Nick Nelson's 995 is a 44 ERA plus. Um, Michael King has been good with his 116 in 48 innings. Uh, He's hurt right now and his finger injury is taking a lot longer to recover than I think I would have expected a finger injury to recover. But, uh, Regardless, I, there's not a lot happening with the rotation. With Corey Kluber hurt, Domingo Herman and Jameson James Tyone being mediocre, Jordan Montgomery being on the higher end of mediocre, and Garrett Cole being the only guy to really hold it down. Uh, it's a lot of over four ERAs in that um, rotation. And then you're leaning on the bullpen and the bullpen's been able to do the job. How long can they fucking do the job for? And if you're not going to acquire any hitting, how much can your hitting do? Because your hitting ain't been doing fucking much. And that's what's got me concerned. Obviously, you know, the Yankees are getting the short end of the stick with a lot of the injury stuff that's been going down. And, you know, that is what it is. Every team's gonna have their injury stuff. And I understand that with the COVID outbreaks that no one could have predicted with a team that has an over 85% vaccination rate, um, it's it's very unfortunate. It's extra unfortunate, it's extra weird. But still, it it's a part of playing every professional sport, and they have not overcome that adversity very well. Uh, these past week has been more encouraging with the guys coming up from the uh Triple-A Scranton Wilkes-Barre uh RailRiders you know actually performing rather well. Estevan Florial had a home run last night. Greg Allen has been uh, fantastic. Uh, you know we're, we're getting production out of guys that we um had been producing in Triple-A and you know are getting a shot for shit reasons but still getting a shot uh, up in the majors and it's a week it's it's a week. That's it. If this was uh, week one, it, maybe you'd think, feel differently because they means that they've earned their spot um, in a different way, and are making the most of it right away. But it's not. It's July, and it's just a week, and you can't build anything on that uh, in a week. You can't, or you can't give yourself too much reassurance from one week in the middle of your season. You, you, you can't do that. And the, you know, I don't think the Yankees are going to get complacent as a front office and not make an acquisition if the team is performing well. I think they, they will, but yeah, I, I am afraid as a fan. I'm optimistic as a fan because, I mean, you have to be. Uh, but you got to be afraid because you know you're, you're playing a very similar game to what a lot of the teams in your division are doing. But you're not doing one of the parts of it near like we're we're playing the Rays game right now. Not nearly as well as the Rays are doing it, and the Blue Jays are playing the Red Sox game right now, and they're doing a fine enough job of it. And chances are, like I said, if I had to pick which team is going to outlast the other between the Red Sox and the Blue and the and the the Rays, I'd probably pick the Red Sox. And if I had to pick a team that's going to outlast the other between the Blue Jays and the Yankees with that barring any acquisitions, I'm probably going to pick the Blue Jays because that team can fucking hit and their pitching will carry them as much as it needs to. And the Yankees we've seen a lot of leads get blown. And we've seen a lot of first inning damage done to us. And it feels like with if not one then the other. If we lost all of our losses, 12 to six, not even 12 to six, 12 to two. All right, fuck it. Still one loss. And then we won all of our games five to three, but we won a lot of games five to three. You go, all right, well, I guess I'll just brace for a 12 to two loss once every four games and just ride out these five to threes. And that's not what's happening. It's the starter giving up four runs in the first inning. And then you never make it make it back up, or it's the offense actually putting up runs, and then a random reliever giving up six in the bottom of the ninth. Chad Green. Chad. Uh, and you know, again, I watch the Yankees a lot more than I watch the other teams, so I'm clearly projecting my own experience onto this, and I'm holding two pens, uh, and you know, putting a lot of my own feelings into how I. I'm looking at the situation because I'm a fan. That's what you do, but it's, this is why the trade deadline matters so much more in baseball than I think it does in any other individual sport, because the way that you control your outcome is so dependent upon personnel and well-positioned personnel more so than I think it really is You know, football, you can chuck a lot of the scheme. And to a certain extent, you can do the same thing with basketball and hockey. Baseball, there is no scheme. (laughs) Not nearly as much, anyway. Right-handed, left-handed? Bullpen versus reliever? It's it's small. So, uh, anyway. We'll see what happens. Corbin's gone. I don't know what happened. I'm assuming his laptop updated again. Only time can tell. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up. So, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at pot. If you want to follow Corbin on Twitter, you can do so at Corbin Hell If you like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua the Tracy. And until Monday, y'all have a good one.